0: The 1999 movie comedy movie Baby Geniuses had an impossibly implausible plot line which was based entirely on a scientific theory that no one would actually ever hold. The theory was that all babies, all little babies were had possessed vast amounts of universal knowledge that infants and toddlers could unlock all the secrets of the universe. And if you look into the eyes staring back at you at a little child, that behind those eyes was a rocket science-level genius staring back. However, the theory went on to say that these babies had no possible way to communicate this knowledge to us, and as soon as they started to talk, they lost it all. So they never got the chance to actually share their deep knowledge with us. Obviously, this is not actually possible or true, but it is a humorous idea for a plot line. However, one thing I do know is true, is that kids sometimes understand things better than adults. Look no further than the seven- or eight-year-old helping their grandparents with computer troubleshooting. (laughs) Kids often have a much better grasp on technology than many adults, among many other things as well. Adults, I think, tend to really complicate things with our theorizing and hypothesizing and postulating and philosophizing and on and on, when often the simplest answer Or the simplest solution is the right one. It's something a small child could easily discern or suggest to us. Did you know that this is the case with the kingdom of God? With our faith? Sometimes a child has more insight into the ways of God than most adults. Sometimes... Truths are not complicated. Sometimes the younger you are, the better grasp you have on God's love for you. Sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one. And sometimes those of us who are bigger need to look to the little ones around us to see what it truly means to follow Jesus. If you don't believe me, Just wait till you see what Jesus has to say in Luke today. All right? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke, chapter 18. Chapter 18, we'll be starting in the middle of the chapter in verse 15. It'll be on page 877 if you're using the Bibles in front of you from the pew. Luke chapter 18, verse 15. Though we're going to look at a really short passage, and though it is short, this is one of the most cherished passages in the Bible. And though many of you would likely be able to quote half of this passage by heart, not nearly as many of us understand what it means, or what it means for us today. So let's pray. Let's pray that we would both understand and that we would obey God's word for us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into the pages of your word once again this morning, may our hearts be open to receive from you. May our minds be open. May we be willing to hear what you have to say to us, the truths that you have for us today. Bring conviction, bring encouragement. We need you, God. We need your word. So help us to to cherish this time and to worship you through the study of your word today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the passage that we studied last week, Jesus told a parable about a tax collector and a Pharisee. If you're with us, you remember it. And we saw through this parable how we can never be righteous in God's sight through our own merit. Through what we do. But that we could only ever be saved by God's great mercy for us. Therefore, we need to humble ourselves before God to receive his mercy and his grace in our lives. This week Jesus is going to make a similar point but with a real life situation. It's not a parable and in a way that I guess the disciples never ever expected. Okay? Luke lays out the setting for us for the scene in verse 15. Read with me in verse 15 it says, "Now they, now they speaking of Random people in the crowd around Jesus. Now they were bringing even infants to Jesus that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Okay, there's the setting. There were great crowds of people following Jesus everywhere he went. And amongst these crowds, there were many families, many parents with children. And sometimes they were there to learn Sometimes they were there just because they were curious. And other times they were there to try to get something from Jesus. To obtain a blessing from Jesus. The term that they were bringing implies that this was a frequent occurrence. In Jesus' ministry. There were lots of people doing this. And they were doing it all the time. Incessantly. In Jewish culture, it was very common to have your children blessed... By a spiritual leader. Fathers did it to their own children. Grandfathers did it to their grandchildren. Parents also sought out spiritual leaders among them. Synagogue rulers, priests, rabbis, Pharisees. All kinds of people in order to ask them to bless their children. The more prestigious a person it was, the better the blessing. Or so was believed. It wasn't a magical or a mystical kind of thing. It wasn't as if those people had special powers. Okay, A blessing was essentially a prayer. It was a prayer to God for His favor and for His blessing. And so these people would pray that God would grant this child, this little baby or this toddler, small child, good health or protection or provision. Uh, ...good development in their life, knowledge, wisdom, favor, success, fruitfulness, good character... ...all these kinds of things they asked God's blessing for. It's much the same reason that many parents today would want their kids to be dedicated to the Lord. Right? Everyone wants the best for their kids. See that every day. And spiritually speaking... The blessing of God is the absolute best you can get. So this is what people are trying to get Jesus to do for them and for their children. Now, I want you to imagine being one of these parents from Jesus' day. Okay? If you've had kids before, you'll, it'll be a lot easier for you to imagine. But even if you haven't, try to imagine with me, okay? Imagine... That you and your spouse, your husband or wife, have recently had a little baby. Okay? You're firstborn. And you were filled right at this moment with wonder and awe of being a parent for the first time. You're, you just wonder as you hold your baby how something so small and helpless could instantly command your entire heart. Right? All your affections you instinctually and hopelessly are already in love with this little person that was just born. Very natural. You already know that you'd do anything for this baby in your arms. Anything. Right? If If it's a little boy, you know that you will sacrifice many things over the years to see them grow into a godly man. If it's a little girl, you're already planning on buying a gun... Your life already has begun to revolve around the care and the nourishment of this little child in your arms. You love them dearly, you want the best for them, and and you pray to that end. And one day, you're talking with your spouse, and you say, Honey, we obviously both want God's best for little Johnny or Mary. What do you say we find someone who can pray for them and bless them? I mean, we can pray for them anytime we want, and we are praying for God's blessing, but it would be more special, right, if we found someone, someone important that could do it, and publicly. So your spouse answers, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Who did you have in mind? Did you have anyone that you are thinking of? I mean, we could go down to our local synagogue where we worship every Sabbath day. could ask the ruler there to, to pray for them. Or we could take a trip down to Jerusalem, find a a priest who would be willing to do it. Or we could talk to one of the rabbis that teach in the area. Or what if what if we got Jesus to do it? I mean, no one is more popular right now, more esteemed than Jesus. Everyone's following him all over the country. I, I've heard of some of the things he's been teaching and I love them. It, it's great and the reports of his miracles are astounding. It, it seems like he ha- must have some real power and, and more than anything it seems like he must have uh, he must be really close to God like he has a direct line to God's blessing and God's authority. So you respond well, Now that is an intriguing idea. I like it. Let's pack up. Let's leave tomorrow morning. It would be amazing if we got Jesus to bless our little child. So the next day, you set off to the last reported spot that Jesus was teaching. Your family in tow. And when you find him, you're surprised by the huge crowd that's already began to amass around him. Your heart starts to sink a little bit. We'd be lucky if Jesus even cast a glance, aren't we? We'd be really lucky to get his attention, to get him to notice us. You've come this far, so you're determined to try. And so as the day goes on, you're making your way through the crowd. You're jostling and meandering for position and gradually making your way towards the front where Jesus is. And finally, you get with an earshot of him. And when there's a break in his teaching, you cry out, Jesus, just a moment of your time. Please, we don't need a healing. We don't need a miracle from you. Nothing like that. We are just wondering, sir, if you could bless our child. Bless our little baby. Now, when you set off, you may have been a little bit optimistic that Jesus would give ear to you. But at this moment, your hopes are completely dashed. When one of Jesus' disciples is into the scene. And the disciples seem to have adopted the job of a secret service detail for their leader. And this burly guy steps in front of you and tells you bluntly, Come on, man. Come on, lady. Are you crazy? I mean, if we let... Uh, can't, can't you see that Jesus has a lot more important things to be doing than this? Right? If we let every proud parent bring their snotty-nosed kid to see Jesus, we'd be doing this all day. We'd be inundated with this kind of request. He wouldn't have time to teach. He wouldn't have time to heal. Nothing else. He'd just be blessing kids one after the other. And we have to think about precedent here. So, uh, I'm sorry, but we've got to ask you to move along. Imagine how you feel. This is what had been happening... Apparently, quite often, parents coming to Jesus, asking for a blessing, and when the disciples noticed what was happening, they took it upon themselves to protect Jesus from these frivolous demands. And it says in verse 15, we read this, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. The word for rebuked has the sense of a harsh rebuke. They weren't kindly or politely turning people away. It's like, get out of here! Hey, Jesus is not going to bless your kid. Now we might think, well, that's an overreaction. Yes, it was. Very much so. But if we wonder why the disciples were so upset, we don't fully see their perspective of things. One commentator, Fred Craddock, says this, The disciples did not think the time and place was appropriate for such a ministry. Jerusalem lay ahead. Controversies were afoot. Herod Antipas had threatened their lives, and in the minds of the disciples, the kingdom was very near. These are momentous days. Tensions mount, and God's business is being conducted. Therefore, remove the children. Investing time and attention on them brings no immediate dividends, children underfoot could only delay the kingdom. Kind of good intentions, but terrible conclusions. Even if you're able to see some of the things from the disciples' perspective, it was obviously still a heartless thing for them to do, to rebuke these well-meaning parents. How much pain And embarrassment could have been saved if they had just asked Jesus what he wanted to do. (laughs) Instead, Jesus had to rebuke the rebuking disciples. He must have put his face in his hand, like, what in the world am I going to do with these guys? (laughs) Luke tells us how he responded. So the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Verse 16. But Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now, we usually say this verse nice and sweetly. But Mark also tells the story in in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10. And he says that Jesus was indignant. He was frustrated, even angry, with his disciples when he said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Children were extremely important to Jesus. And the disciples just didn't Back in Luke 9, you may remember, the disciples were fighting about who was the greatest as they walked along the road one day. And Jesus responded this way. It says, Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. We've also seen Jesus' concern and care for children and the people that he healed and he looked after, like Jairus' daughter or the widow's son that he raised from the dead. And so when the disciples were preventing these kids from even getting near Jesus, he got upset. And in his response, we see an important, timeless principle for us today. This was the lesson for the disciples And this is the lesson for us. So the application of this point may look quite a bit different today. It's this. We must allow and assist children to reach Jesus. We must allow kids to reach Jesus, and we we should assist them in reaching him. We must allow and assist children to reach Jesus. Jesus actually gives a double imperative in verse 16 for emphasis. You see that? He said... Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. Okay? Let the children come. Do not hinder them. If you didn't know this yet, God loves kids. Okay? We learned that in Sunday school, but... God loves kids. Okay? There's a reason... That he had us be born as children, not as full-blown adults. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. It's a blessing. Children are a blessing. Any of you with even only one or two kids can attest to this. The joy that they bring you. I mean, yes, they can they can bring you a lot of pain, too. But that's because you love them. Isn't it? You love them so much. You can't imagine your life without any of your children. My parents have ten kids. And they'd say that every single one of them is a blessing. And the financial... Or a stressful burden of kids is nowhere near the reward and the blessing that you receive from the Lord. And let me encourage you if you're younger and can still have children, if God graces you with the ability, have lots of kids. Okay? That's not a command, <laughs> that's an opportunity for blessing. Okay? You'll only be blessed more with every kid you have. And by the way, you can get the same blessing through adoption. Just something to think about. But whether or not you ever experience the blessing of having children, it's a miracle. It really is. But whether or not you ever experience that, we all deal with children at some point and in some way even if only through active avoidance. (laughs) I mean, avoiding kids altogether would be kind of a miserable way to live, unfortunate, but most of us aren't like that, right? Most of us, many of us, will or are or will be parents or grandparents or brothers or sisters, aunts or uncles, cousins. Some of you work in our nursery, Or as Sunday school teachers or children's church workers. uh, Some of you work in schools all week. Or in daycares. Or other family-oriented places. Many of your friends have kids. Maybe many of your friends are kids. At the least, I mean, we see kids here at church running around like they own the place every week. (laughs) So for us, in the church, as Jesus' disciples, What does it mean to let the children come to him? It means that we should in any way possible encourage children towards Jesus. It means that we should show and teach children just how much Jesus cares about them. For them, it means that we should absolutely share the gospel with children in hopes that they are saved. It means that we should be earnest and persistent in prayer for our kids to find the Lord. It means we should be heavily involved in children's ministry as a church. It means that we should reach out to kids so they might reach out to Jesus. And it means that we should also reach out to parents well so they can encourage their kids towards Christ for parents this means deliberately and diligently training your kids to be godly teaching them about the Lord praying for them loving them training them disciplining them guiding them negatively speaking not hindering do not hinder them not hindering children means never discouraging any of the above Right? Don't look down on kids' ministry. Don't underestimate the faith that children can have. Don't be afraid to tell kids that Jesus loves them. Definitely never tempt them to sin. Don't resent or stop kids from occasionally inconveniencing you. Even in the middle of a church service, don't get upset if the kid just makes some noise. That's what they do. Parents, don't ignore the spiritual needs of your children or your grandchildren. Don't elevate other activities in your life over spiritual ones, even even if they're very good activities. Get up and drive your kids to Sunday school. (laughs) Drive them to youth group. Instead of to early Sunday hockey or school activities or whatever. Put God first in your home. Let the children come to me. And do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Darrell Bach says that Jesus receives children and takes time to bless them in the midst of a pressure-packed ministry is touching and reveals much about his concern for individual people. Just as his attention to the poor and outcast shows his concern for other neglected groups, people of any size count. I like that. People of any size count. This is why... We want children's ministry and youth ministry to be huge priorities in our church. They are not secondary or second-rate ministries. Parents are, of course, the first ones responsible for their children's well-being. But as a church, we want to be here to help along the way as much as we possibly can. Part of the core of our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And it's becoming increasingly important to make disciples when they are young. Okay? Studies now say that 19 out of 20 Christians are saved before the age of 25. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is now saying that if you want to stand a realistic chance of reaching someone, you have to reach them before the age of 12. This week we received an email from the president of our Fellowship Baptist Church, Steve Jones, and he said, Why would church leaders believe that we should wait or be cautious to influence young minds? Advertisers don't wait. Advocates of cultural wars in our schools don't wait. Predators online don't wait. Nor does Hollywood. So what are we doing to win children and youth to Christ? This is why we want to be a child and a family-friendly church. This this speaks to the underappreciated value of a high-quality nursery. It speaks to why we want excellent Sunday school classes or children's church. If you're working in those ministries, you play such a vital role. You have no idea the impact that your ministry can have on eternity. This is why we want to have a church designed around family-oriented worship. This is why we want your kids over a certain age in the service with us. right? Worshipping with us. We want them learning how to be disciples of Christ and to be part of the church. They might not get everything, but you'd be surprised how much they do get. We want to always be improving in this. Improving in our kids' ministry, in our youth' ministry. We know we can improve. See, kids have just as much right as anyone to be faithful followers of Jesus. They can come to a real faith in Jesus Christ, even at young ages. I know from experience, many of you do as well, And when they do, they're not just part of the future church down the road. They are part of the church now. As are youth or young adults. Children can be real bona fide disciples of Jesus now. They're not just taking up seats. D.L. Moody, famous evangelist from the 19th century, once was asked how one of his evening meetings went, an evangelistic meeting. And he said, we had two and a half conversions. And the person asking the question asked, well, you mean two adults and one child? And he replied, no, two children and one adult. The adult only has half his life left. He also once said this, D.L. Moody said, if I could relive my life I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Kids I've been speaking mostly to older people so far today but this point is mostly about you. Alright? If you as kids believe in Jesus as your Savior You can be his disciple now. If you can be part of God's kingdom now, part of the church now, you can worship, you can serve, you can give, you can love, you can grow. You are extremely important to Jesus. He loves you enormously. And we want you to play an important role in our church as well. The reason for all this emphasis on kids and kids' ministry is seen in Jesus' response. Look at it again. He said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. kingdom of God. Seen this a lot in Luke. Speaking of the rule and the reign of God as king. This kingdom of God belongs to them. Now, Christians, all Christians are a part of God's spiritual kingdom now as he reigns over our hearts. And one day we will be part of his physical kingdom's reign on earth and in heaven. But what does Jesus mean that the kingdom belongs to such as these? Well. For one, it does not mean that all children are saved. It's not what Jesus was saying. They don't possess the kingdom as kids and then might lose it as they grow up. Okay, My study Bible clarified this point. And he, it said, For to such belongs does not mean children automatically belong to the kingdom, but that the kingdom belongs to such. That is, to those who possess childlike trust. This passage is not saying that adults are excluded from the kingdom. Not at all. But what it is saying is that most adults must change. To become like kids. To be a part of it. And that's the second main point we'll see from this passage. If verse 16 is focused on how we treat others, especially children around us, verse 17 is focused on us, ourselves, and how we should respond personally, no matter who we are, no matter what age we are, young or old or everywhere in between. So first, we must allow and assist children to reach Jesus. Second, we must become like children to reach Jesus. We must become like children ourselves in order to reach Jesus and his kingdom. Look how Jesus says this as he concludes. He says, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Truly, Verily, I tell you the truth. The stakes are high here. Eternity hangs in the balance. If you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you won't enter it at all. This means that if you don't respond to Jesus like a child, you can't be saved. It's as plain as that. Now this would have shocked the disciples who saw the children as a nuisance or a distraction but Jesus corrected them no, children point us to the heart of my kingdom children point us to what it's all about children grasp something that so many adults just miss see the gospel really is rather simple the gospel is deep enough that we will never be able to explore the depths of its oceans, but it is simple enough that even a child can understand. We have sinned, and God is just, but God loves, and so Jesus died. And Jesus rose again, and if we believe, God forgives. That simple. Simple love. Simple grace. Simple faith. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me, he who died. Heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Steve Jones again says this. None of us know or understand the full salvation story upon conversion, children or adults. The criterion for salvation is not a seminary degree but a willingness to believe and receive God's gift of salvation. Jesus' statement here, to let the children come to me really was an invitation for anyone, to everyone, young or old, to come to him like children to receive his salvation. So come to him. It's simple. Come to him today. Leave your sins and run to him. Receive his kingdom. His arms are open to you. You might wonder as we read this, Well, what does it mean to receive the kingdom like a child? What does that even mean? Like I said earlier, this is a very familiar saying, but not necessarily well understood saying. I'll say this first. This is not speaking of inherent innocence, okay, as as we believe children are sinners from the day they're born. This is also not speaking of childishness, or immaturity, or any lack of knowledge we might have. This is not bashing doctrine, or theology, or any deep thinking. Okay? But children have a number of exemplary characteristics that Jesus may have been referring to. I mean, there is a simplicity to childhood that many of us wish we still had in life. There's, kids have a natural wonder and awe at things about them. Wide-eyed wonder. As well as a natural love for those that care for them. Some feel that Jesus could be referring to being like children in our humility. This would fit the flow of last week, as he just said, the one who humbles himself will be Exalted. It's also the point in the parallel passage of Matthew 18, which says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then many people believe this is referring to the simple faith of a child. John MacArthur says, this pictures faith as the simple, helpless, trusting dependence of those who have no resources of their own. Like children, they have no achievements and no accomplishments to offer or with which to commend themselves. Simplicity, wonder, love, humility, faith. All of these could describe an aspect of what it means to receive the kingdom like a child. But I think perhaps the best word to describe how a child receives the kingdom, you saw it in this last quote, it's dependence. It's very connected to faith. It depends. I like how Philip Reichen says it. He says, We cannot know God in any other way except with the wide eyed wonder, full minded faith, and wholehearted love of a little child. Yet when Jesus talks about little children coming into the kingdom, the most important word is receive. It is specifically our reception of the kingdom that we need to be like little children. If anything is characteristic of children, especially babies, like the ones people were bringing to Jesus, it is their total dependence on other people for what they need. This is how we must come to God if ever we would come into his kingdom. To enter, we need to receive. We must make a declaration of our dependence, offering God nothing except our need, and hungrily receiving the grace he gives to helpless sinners. So today, I invite you to declare your need for Jesus. Like a child, realize that you can't feed yourself or clothe yourself, save yourself. Like a child, look at Jesus' love for you with wide-eyed wonder. Like a child, humble yourself at the feet of Jesus to accept his grace. Lose your pride. Like a child, have simple faith that Jesus died and rose again for you. Like a child, rely on him in complete dependence for everything you need. And like a child, receive his kingdom, his care. His love, salvation, with open arms, looking up to your daddy to pick you up. As we conclude, I want to quote a few verses from Scripture for you. John 1, verse 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 8.16 The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 1 John 3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. 1 John 5.2 By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Is there anything that stood out to you in those verses? Here's one thing I notice. The Bible never calls believers the adults of God. There's no such thing. There are only the children of God. And so we are. It truly is a child's kingdom. So let the children come. Receive the kingdom like a child. It is an amazing thing to be born, to be adopted into the family and kingdom of God. Matt Papa wrote a song about this feeling, and he said this, I want to be a child again. I want to trust with all I am, jump into the arms of Jesus, and grow up to be like him. I want to let ambitions go. I just want to live my father's love to know. I'm tired from trying to be the stronger man. I want to be a child again. That's my prayer today, too. Are you tired from trying to be the stronger man? Stronger woman? You can't do this life on your own. You need Jesus. So jump into his arms. Trust him with all you got. You don't need to only want to be a child again. You can be a child again today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we humble ourselves. May we see your love. May we have faith to believe may we receive your kingdom. May every heart here receive your kingdom. Teach us what it means to be like children. Help us to be faithful in reaching out. We pray that your name would be glorified above all. In Jesus' name.